As a disclaimer, the views and comments made during this podcast are our own. Do not represent any entity that we volunteer with or employed by. Hey everyone, welcome to the List of Omatic, podcast where we discuss geopolitics, national security, a whole bunch of nonsense over beers. We're recording on July 29th in Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Ryan Young, and joining me today is... Kevin Truitt, Middle East, North Africa. Lex Cardone, Eastern Europe, former Soviet Union. Robert Thomas, Asia-Pacific Specialist. And Ryan, do counterterrorism. So we're back on the episode, um, and we're going to kind of sort of repeat what we did before. Not per se, we did like, um, episode two, we did UN sovereignty and such, um, and we talked about international organizations, but tonight we're going to... Focus just on NATO. It keeps kind of coming up partly in discussions we have. Outside of this and that, you know, Russia, the U.S., Turkey. <laughs> doing gobble, all their, gobble. Yes. That kind of stuff. Um, but before we jump into that, we're going to uh, jump into our beers. And recently... Oh my god, the secret <laughs> compartment! <laughs> I went to Iceland. Oh God. <laughs> this is like right, fresh, seal, fresh seal testicle or like, <laughs> I'll have to try one yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you so. can drive back on one What's, what are we drinking Ryan this is it's uh, not in English yeah <laughs> <laughs> stunning hinga dinga durgan yeah kind of bergen bergen raiden and diligent this is a varro 2 it's from Brewhouse Stegi. Uh, basically, the, the beer is especially brewed for the Icelandic Midwinter Festival called Thori. What makes this beer special is its ingredients. Pure Icelandic water, malted barley, hops, and sheep dung smoked whale testicles. Is that Wait, real? Sheep dung smoked whale testicles? So basically, they smoke the whale testicles with sheep Oh, they use it dung. to like, light the fire. That's yeah. what they burn. It's yeah. very hygienic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Right. Find this yourself while you were there. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's like, well, there's the thing is like, you gotta imagine. Define good. When I bring something back that's really good or something that's so terrible because it's funny. Yeah. Either one is entirely. <laughs> if only we were talking about like the G G U K map gap or something like, some or something relating to Iceland. It does smell a bit like sheep dung. Mm. I get Kevin knows dis- that dis- aroma dis- intimately from dis- past distinct- experiences. Oh, I, got, I get distinct notes of Shamu balls. Mm. Now you're gonna get some animal rights protesters outside your apartment. Oh. For Did you see, I saw the Peter van today. Or did I oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I mean, the thing is, um, it's, it's hard for them to kind of export it just because uh, it's like anti-whaling laws and stuff. Oh, <laughs> so are they the one? So they? I thought it was just the Norwegians who do the whaling. Okay, no, no, Iceland does. Well, the Japanese do. I did the Iceland's. Oh, I, yeah, I ate whale while I was there. Nice. Yeah. You're a monster. Oh well. Yes. Oh well. <laughs> you say oh well. <laughs> Fuck you, whale. Fuck you, whale. You know. So, mm. it's it's not bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the smell makes you think. I mean, if I didn't know what was the in smell it, is interesting. Like, it's like I I can't I don't know how to define it. It's like kind of. There's some salt in there. Yeah, it was. Like, I yeah, I, uh, I drew. We briny, drew. We drew briny, so, yeah. briny whale balls. Several hours out of our way to go to this brewery because, <laughs> yeah. like, we have to go to this place while I'm here on this island. Yeah. Is it it's like, what's the national speed? Is there like, do they are they vodka drinkers over there for the most part, or is it like 
literally fermented seals or something. Like, what's their, what's their, because I feel like it's not a beer country. No, I mean, I, the, the breweries, I mean, there was a lot, they're all really solid, honestly. Really? Yeah, I've had, like, had a lot of really good beers, including a lot of good IPAs there. Hmm. Really? Um, yeah, it was, it was really, they, they really like beer. Um, they have a couple of distilleries, different kind of stuff. Vodka wasn't a big thing, and it just, I don't know. Yeah. They had their own, like, brand of it. I don't know what kind of stuff they had, but. They're local hooch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, I mean, yeah, so it was, it was solid. I really liked all that stuff. And I was like, I go to this place, it's like this tiny farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and I, I went up to try it, I was like, got a, did the um, flight, which was real solid. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was like, I'm buying this and bringing this back to the States and carefully wrapping each of these in shirts yeah. and putting in a suitcase. Yeah. You didn't have to declare it at customs. Like, do you have any like products from endangered animals? <laughs> <laughs> it's not endangered. That whale isn't. Endangered. What kind of whale was it? Uh, a fin whale? It's like a fin, fin whale testicle? No, that's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's okay. Well, drink up. <laughs> died, died for you. Yeah. His balls did. Show respect. <laughs> Show respect <laughs> to the kill. Yeah. Anywho. Anywho. So that's why. Um, so speaking of the North Atlantic. Yeah, so that's oh, kind of. Yeah. yeah, so that's, that's literally why um, I texted you guys while I was there. I was like, we should do one on NATO because I was sitting there in the harbor looking at. Um, Russian they're, submarines? No. Their Coast Guard? That wasn't in the harbor. That was on the whale watching trip. Oh, okay. It was the, yeah. A little further out. Yeah, it was the coast. The, their Coast Guard ship, Thor. <laughs> That's literally what it's, it's name, the name of the of ship is. Of course it's named Thor. Uh, it's like they have like three ships. I saw two out of three, including the giant one, which never left four whales there. Um, and yeah, they don't have, they're the only NATO member that doesn't have a standing military. That's why we defend them. Yeah. But they also. And Canada. Yeah. Canada was doing. Uh, air duty over there during the World Cup when, like, half the population of Iceland was out of the country to watch the The entire, like, gendarmerie in the Coast Guard was just like, ah, I'm going to the bar. I guess, guess, thankfully, uh, Russia didn't invade because they were too busy uh, hosting. hosting, Too busy watching their team almost get there. Almost, and not, because it was great and funny. You know what? But, um... Yeah, so, but honestly, they they do a lot of cool stuff still because they, um... It's all like civilians like, kind of assistance, so they'll do things like have EOD guys go train people and also do that mission. They've run the airport at Harmar, at, a, at a Karzai airport in Afghanistan, also they run Bagram. Um, so they do that, they'll do that kind of stuff, uh, air, air rescue kind of things. Okay. But yeah, so it's, it's, it's a different kind of thing because they're, they're a pacifist nation technically. And basically, that's why I was like, we need to do this episode. That would keep. Well, they voted on violence during the Viking days. So <laughs> yeah, just now it's the like, blood yeah, we, got, we, got, we got it out of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just. We don't. We're not trying. I want to be that guy again. You're just not that guy. Anyway, so, but honestly, one of the bigger issues that keeps coming up with NATO, especially in the news, has been the U.S. membership in NATO and all that issue. So, why is NATO. Why, so, Donald Trump wants to. Lee, he threatens to leave all the time. Good idea, bad idea, stupid. I mean, Donald Trump level. threatens to leave every possible agreement or organization. If he didn't make it, it's a bad deal. Yeah. He would <laughs> threaten to leave a party if he wasn't throwing it. It's <laughs> invited. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, the mother of all bombs. <laughs> yeah, just. Silence. So like I don't know if we should continue or just like just stewing it. Just yeah, just let it let it just just <laughs> let it let it marinate. <laughs> 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 
Sheep dung and whale balls. The favorite. What? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, NATO is something that's been around for 70 years, and there's um, complaints about the cost of it, but... Well, let's, let's step back a moment and perhaps talk a little bit about why NATO exists, because I've certainly run into some cases where people have not exactly been clear on that. Uh, one of my uh, trips to judge collegiate debate, I definitely had a whole round about NATO, and clearly no one so, in the wait, room but wait. me knew what NATO was founded for. So college kids are stupid and completely ignorant about the world outside their ivory tower? Who would have thunk it? I mean, to be fair, the ones who are on the debate team tend to be the smarter college kids. So they probably are closer to understanding some semblance of what's going on in the world than the average Joe off the street. Hmm. Which should probably frighten us more, but... So, So NATO, founded in the wake of the Second World War as a military alliance between Western democracies that... You know, and Turkey. And Turkey for some uh, reason. And Greece, which was a military dictatorship at the time. Yeah, it's not a demo. It's, it's it, just anti-communist. States. It was not. Yeah. I mean, there was there's always the idea that these are going to be democracies, but it wasn't. It was, that wasn't yeah. what was founded on. Eventually, right? maybe. Somewhere. Or they could get yeah. a slam yeah. away from that. Yeah. If we wish upon a star long enough. Yeah. Fast forward till 1990, the end of the Warsaw Pact. A lot of people begin to question why is NATO still around? Whereas a lot of the Eastern European states who have been kind of playing seesaw between the Germans and the Russians for the last few generations want some security. Well, they, they, didn't, they didn't want, they weren't really playing seesaw so much as like chained, uh, <laughs> all chained to the Soviet Union. Yeah. You're our friend forever. Yeah. <laughs> Germany, you can never Russia, Germany, Russia. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me I'm pretty. <laughs> Comrade. Com- Comrade Stalin. But, uh, is that what they said when they... Put down the Hungarians. <laughs> yeah, that that ni- was nineteen fifty-three. I mean, like, let's 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 not sugarcoat the fact that there was some genuine dark aggression going on mm-hmm. during the early Cold War that inspired real fear that there would be continued warfare triggered directly by Soviet aggression. And I mean, then of course, with the post World War II context, that's where you get the old quip that. The point of NATO was to keep the Americans in, the Russians out, and the Germans down. Which is, I mean, it, it kind of, but I think it more, I mean, the bigger reason, I think, besides, you know, obviously stop Russian aggression if they ever try to go down across the border of whatever country, mm-hmm. unless it's Poland and no one cared about them. Oh. Unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, it also just to kind of keep Europe from uh, killing itself in yeah. each other. Instead of every well, generation, armies going up and down the Rhine and the Po. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've had almost 70 years of relative peace. Right. I mean, like... Europe. You can spice things up. <laughs> yeah, let's not. What's, what's wrong if you know? <laughs> <laughs> you get better ratings at war. Come on. But I mean, the, like, you, you look at that old that old quip. Yeah, yeah. The part about keeping the Germans down of course is... Of Brit. You said it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, but, like, the part about keeping the, the Germans down is a really kind of disingenuous oversimplification of the fact that for centuries and centuries and centuries, all kinds of countries in Europe have been 
caught in conflicts with each other and often exporting those to everyone else, which is part of why we got engaged in the post-World War II security arrangements there in the first place, because Europe's problems had a way of becoming our problems for yeah. the entire history of our country. Go back to the First World War, go back to the Seven Years' War, French and Indian War, a lot of you know Europe's... When Europe coughs, everybody else catches a cold, so we have a vested interest in making sure you know the European states play nicely with each other. And, and Europe's always been the U.S.'s, well, one of the U.S.'s largest trading partners. I mean, we right. were talking the EU or Britain and France way back in the early days you know, of the, the Republic. Yeah. So the NATO alliance sort of solidified this post-war idea of, well, first of all, it was to counter the Soviet Union, whether it was called that or not. That's what it was for. But it it was sort of solidifying, like, this is Western, the West, these, this, these are the Western countries and the Western democracies, and then the Eastern, Western, Western countries, like Turkey and Greece. Yeah. So, New NATO and old NATO. <laughs> you can almost divide it that way. But, so, and then the big issue, I think, what's happened in the last 20, 30 years was NATO's expansive expansion. Mm-hmm. So, after the Iron Curtain fell, it was like, oh, you guys should be part of NATO now because the yeah, no good um, and like essentially join us and then we you know you know you can be defended so you won't be caught back again if something ever happened or if they start doing trying to Soviet Union wants to you know make make Russia great again yeah so um, there was this misunderstanding or maybe yeah. maybe not so much the U S under the Clinton administration I believe it was Clinton told Boris Yeltsin who was the leader of post-Soviet Russia as most when he wasn't know. searching for pizza on Massachusetts Avenue well I mean he was still the leader of post-Soviet <laughs> Russia maybe that maybe, maybe those, that's those were simultaneous uh, not events. sequential <laughs> maybe that's an example of post-Soviet Russia <laughs> um, so th- there was sort of a a non like a verbal what the Russians understood as an agreement that NATO would not expand eastward into the former Soviet sphere the Sino-Soviet uh, sphere yeah. And that, I mean, that didn't start during the, the Clinton administration. That went back to H.W. Bush. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so yeah. Even even by that point, there there had been kind of gestures made that, don't you worry, we won't expand, mm-hmm. you don't need to worry about it. And pretty quickly, that's not what But happened. the push came from those recently independent nations who wanted to join NATO. And that's the, that therein lies the issue is... If they want to join, and we want to encourage them to develop into Western democracy-style capitalist economies, all this, you know, why not expand the security umbrella? And it's got and, a gateway to the EU. <laughs> gateway drug. Yeah, <laughs> but like, <laughs> well, Nate, which is I mean, zeros. which is which? The relationship between NATO and the EU is yeah a curious one. I mean, because I mean, if you look at the EU. The EU starts with the European coal and steel community way way back early post World War Two, which basically was a way to tie together France and West Germany. Mm-hmm. Like there were other other countries involved, yeah. but mainly to tie those two together in how those basic industrial commodities were used, because those are the basic components of military equipment and operations 
And so the idea was we use this economic linkage to make it harder for people in Western yeah. Europe to go to war with each other. Mm-hmm. And so f- even from that far back, and that's the agreement that kind of started to eventually evolve into the EU, like even from that far back, the economic and yeah. security pieces have been intertwined. With the exception of France withdrawing from the command structure of NATO under Charles de Gaulle. Yeah, he was, well, a, the, he was an odd duck. <laughs> well, they yeah. stayed out until the 2000s. What was it, 2000... I want to say four, but it could have been later. Yeah. yeah. But, well, uh, France has always kind of seen itself as like <clears throat> a... Uh, what, a pole of influence or it's kind of its own, you know... Yeah, and even, that, even yeah. militarily, like they still like they're the only ones who are doing and does it cross out. Really doing operations outside of their country or consistently doing mm-hmm. I mean, they're 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 all over the Sahel doing shit and yeah. places. But politically like, they've a lot of not just the Gaulle going into Mitterrand and everybody, they've mm-hmm. kind of seen, yeah, yeah. seen themselves as this sort of um, you know, third sphere not sphere of influence but what, what am I looking for like pull between east and west like a th- the third option and, and they also I mean at the same time they had a very strong socialist and maybe I think if I'm not wrong co- actual communist party so it was one of those things where they didn't want to they didn't really want to be they want to go too hard they didn't want to be stuck between the US yeah. and, and the Soviet Union yeah. they wanted to they wanted to do what a bunch of countries do today is uh, play two giant, two giants off against each other. I mean, keep keep in mind in some of this context though that, like, if you look at countries like the UK and France, particularly in the like early Cold War period, like they're declining empires but still empires. Like right. they're they're used to being big. Big players on the block, mm-hmm. not being a junior partner to anyone. So, I mean, for both of them, it was important to, in different ways, assert their continuing independence, which is one of the reasons why they made sure to get their own nuclear weapons capability mm-hmm. yeah. rather than relying on the U.S. And today, bless their hearts. Yeah. Well, and that I mean, kind of last. I mean, to like today, they they are much diminished in their force projection capability compared to those days, but the UK and, and France in particular are still nothing to sniff yeah. at in terms of their defense capabilities. No, yeah. And they, I mean, the French in particular have yeah. been yeah. a lot more active on that front yeah. than Americans tend to realize. Yeah, and this idea that NATO was some kind of, like, you know, singular block of similarly aligned countries. I mean, you go through the, you go through the years and, you, I mean, Suez... When the French and the yeah, British yeah. sort of tag teamed with the Israelis to go into Sinai and reclaim European control of the of the canal, but um, and the U.S. the dominant player just came in and said no, and that was kind of the defining stroke at the end of you know they could just these great empires could just be told yeah to stand down yet the Russians also no the US, no really they, not the U.S. and the this, Soviets were in the same in side, this case no. was more like no no son. None of that. None of that honky-tonk. What were you even going for here? I I wanted to... I just wanted to drop a bigger bomb than Kevin. (laughs) Yeah, you just dropped the H-bomb. Dad jokes. Mm. My favorite. Oh, my God. 
I think Ryan's gonna cut that part out. No, 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 I'm not. no we're, but we're gonna soak it up. I'm just, I'm just, just so ashamed of all of you. But the other, the other thing was, <laughs> hey, I had no part in that. I don't care. Nonsense. You're here, so I can blame you too. The other, you're the one who facilitated it. You, you called this meeting. <laughs> yeah. You provided the, you knew what the whale testicle alcohol. I blame, I blame it on the whale balls. <laughs> Anywho, so. <laughs> So actual expansion basically freaked out Russia to the point of like, oh, we start, need to start trying to do things to undermine all these countries and the deals. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at what happened in Georgia. Georgia was yeah. very much creeping towards a NATO. Well, they already are or were and are in a NATO partnership. Yeah. Russia was like, we don't like that. Plus, we want to se- support these separatists in part of your country. So we have the Russia-Georgia War of 2008. Yeah. Uh, Russia de facto asserts what was already sort of on the ground de facto, that these areas that it was occupying, uh, separatist areas are, in, I'm putting air quotes, independent countries, which Russia yeah. could easily annex at any moment. But well, I think it's always been important to understand about Russian foreign policy that, as pretty much anyone who talks about Russian foreign policy will tell you, They've always been very concerned about what they consider their near abroad, this kind of buffer of countries around them, separating them from other powers that they have historically had some thought might try to invade them. Uh, And so, like, whether, like, right or wrong isn't isn't the issue so much as perception is the issue. Yeah, Yeah. it's not so much about annexing territory as it is keeping the near abroad from coalescing against Moscow. And and with that, it's NATO, one of the prerequisites of joining NATO is you have to have territorial integrity. So what countries in the East, I mean, Georgia no longer has territorial integrity. Now Ukraine, after 2014, no territorial integrity. And Moldova. Yeah, so so Ukraine... Can't join right now because they're in of the active civil war happening. So it's all fucked up with that. But that's part of their plan. Like it's all like, the Russians. Everyone's like you know. There's such a like NATO is such this thing that needs to stop by like, scary Russia. It's like they're not really. They're they have like their GDP is smaller than like, Italy's. Uh, Netherlands, I think is the I think comparative size. Whatever. Yeah. Still some. <laughs> Stupid European country. Yeah, some stupid NATO country. Yeah, well, NATO allies. Starting Italians, to, really? You're starting, you're starting to sound like an administration official. Hire me. <laughs> you're going to call them shithole countries. Yep. No, they're, they're white countries. They're fine. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> shut up, Steve. I didn't think you could drop a bigger bomb. Than that. <laughs> so, but, um, God, I... I, I need a shelter. This, <laughs> this carpet bombing. <laughs> there's no safe. There's no safe space here. No. Um, but it's it's the thing of it's so they they're weaker than they what they kind of perceive as what other a lot of people perceive them as. So that's why they're the hybrid warfare stuff, the cyber things. They really they're they're really they're still they're weaker, but they're not stupid. They're extremely intelligent. What they do, like inferior people's elections, ours, others. Ukraine trying to like have Russian agents yeah. like distill like just, just kind of create problems in a lot of these yeah. European countries. It's so. not so much that the Russians are playing chess and the rest of the world is playing checkers. They're playing a they're playing poker and they're playing a bad hand very well. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. I mean, let's let's also not underestimate how opportunistic and ad hoc 
a lot of this is. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you, you look at the Russian interference in the U.S. presidential election, there are, like, three different entities within the Russian intelligence community running their own independent operations mm -hmm. with, from what we can tell in anything that's publicly available at this point, not a whole lot of coordination or guidance, like, practically tripping over each other in different cases. Like, they they gambled and did what they could to try and get some advantage out of it, but it was not some sophisticated masterstroke. It was f fumbling around at something that happens to have success at being destabilizing because of the existing domestic vulnerability of the U.S., not because they were you mean such Putin, masters. Putin this. isn't playing a 10-degree or 10-dimensional chess with Trump right now? Is that what's going on? It's, but, um, they're it, both experts more like, that game. It's more like it's, drunken darts. I was going to say I was going to say 11-dimensional hungry, hungry hippos. But. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, I think the point of that is it's almost brilliant that it is that messed up because it becomes much more easy to deny that kind of stuff. It makes it deniable when it's like you can't coordinate other, other groups. You're basically like, all right, you have a general idea, plan, and mission. Go do that and see what happens. And then it's like, oh, no, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> so it was a recent thing at the NRA with uh, What's-Her-Face. Maria Butino. Yeah. Uh, lady, uh, lady Honeypot herself. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just like... Gun gal. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's easy to influence those people. They're fucking stupid. It's just a bunch of old guys with, like, guns. And they're like, oh, a beautiful young woman who likes guns. This is fantastic. Yeah, wants to expand gun rights in Russia, a country where you have very little rights to own firearms. And there's almost no public support to owning firearms. You have, you have very little <laughs> no, rights uh, to anything. Unless you're, <laughs> Full stop. Unless you're a Russian mob or Chechen, you probably don't have guns. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that's basically the point is NATO is so necessary that the cost thing is really dumb because like even if we added more money, it couldn't f maybe fix all the problems that are NATO. Just you know, interoperability. Well, they should invest in it actually instead of just like oh we have more money. It's like you can spend it better if you just spend it smarter. <laughs> well, well I, I think we are ourselves kind of a case in point of that. Oh, Jesus, yes, I, I know. At, at thirty five, like, you you look yeah. at our at our defense spending and procurement processes and quite frankly uh, the capability that we get out of what we spend is not as many multipliers larger than those of other potential adversaries as the amount of money that we spend yeah. compared to them would suggest yeah and it's such a political problem too because like the uh, that article you sent about Germany actually thinking about Getting its own nuclear deterrent. And to, so to which, be to be clear, that was that was an op-ed op in a newspaper. Yeah. That was not right. an official government right. document. Right, but but it's it's in the public discourse. It's now. indicative of the perception that the U.S. is retreating from its seventy-year-long stewardship or actively going against what it stood for before. I mean, right. I think there's some there's some hesitance to believe that in Europe, but at the same time with Trump as president, they're saying not only are we not protected, but we may actually have to compete with our own traditional security yeah. umbrella. But the the idea that they're debating potentially bringing back <clears throat> some sort of domestic nuclear deterrent when Germany, you know, one of the strongest economies in the world, yeah, it's 
uh, its security, its its defense capabilities are woefully um, lower than they should be. Yeah. Anyways, and well, well, yeah, and, and, and I there's mean, no domestic support for. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's yeah. that's the thing. Like you talk about defense spending issues in other NATO countries. Part of the reason is that in most other uh, NATO member countries, there's not public support for significantly expanding defense spending, not because the general public in those countries thinks, oh, the U.S. will take care of it. It's because they don't perceive themselves as facing the kind of threat that would warrant it. I mean, like, people, like the average person on the street in Germany or France has zero expectation that Russian tank brigades are going to be rolling through their town mm-hmm. anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So, well, I assume so, they forget the last two yeah, years of European history. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the, the well, Second World War, it was like, oh, we should let Germany rearm. Nothing could, nothing bad can happen. Like, they, well, seem, they, they just need to they rise didn't back say, up to yeah, a yeah, they, they did it clandestinely. Now, yeah, yeah. Well, now let, let's be clear. It was the French not, it was, and the British knew what was happening. Well, the French and the British didn't think, oh, this could never be a problem. They... Kicked the can down the road. Well, they, they made calculations that some level of tolerance and attempts to engage and persuade in other ways was a better way to forestall problems than yeah, that worked. direct in our time. What? <laughs> right, I mean, like, I'm not saying that it was a that it was a good decision, like, it clearly went very poorly, but the point is, it wasn't just some rare stupid people flubbing a decision. No, no, it yeah. was it was a deliberate strategic decision yeah. that turned out to be a wrong one. And I, I mean, I think we ought to pay attention to the fact that just as many problems result from people making serious evidence-backed decisions that are the wrong call as problems arise from people fumbling around. Yeah. In a lot of ways, the, well, the Germans rearmed a lot of, um, through mostly, you know, a clandestine kind of yeah, you know, bank, lo- like sort of secret bank loans and shell companies and stuff like that. Well, they were that building their tank army in Soviet Union. Right. They, they had a, yeah, a well, treaty with the Russians years ago to trade technology, so... Huh. It's also you know even with their military they're they're it was but it had to be smaller but what they would do is just really train up these guys and then like rotate them out of the military so it's like oh we have all these guys who were trained now they're not in the military anymore so it's fine we have new people yeah and basically that's why they had such a professional force and they were trained to that's why they their infantry tactics were so much more superior to most for the most part to everyone on the field mm-hmm. at, at least early on yeah yeah, yeah people yeah. they mean catch up eventually happened but well and also they started losing a yeah. lot of those veterans. Yeah. Yeah. Over the course of the several years, interest fronts. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the interesting decision to uh, fight a two front war with when the last one went so well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'll be different this Schleifen time. Schleifen Plan Two: Hitler's Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why NATO was great, so they wouldn't fucking kill each other anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's, the teacher it's... and the you know keeping the kindergartners from like. 
you know, punching each other or eating paste or something. Yeah. It's, well, but I, th- I think that... Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, then there's Grease eating paste. So. <laughs> there's, always this, there's always the one kid that you can't save. You know, funnily, funnily enough, just to bring up Grease for one second. So Grease meets its 2% obligation. Yeah, I know. Like the, you know what it's spent on? Like, I think something like 80% is spent on pensions. It's like <laughs> Like everything else in Greece, it's a, the, the military is a welfare scheme. And, of course, I mean, they have the Turkey issue, another yeah. inter-NATO conflict. Oh, <laughs> talking about, yeah. Turk, Turk, Turk. But, I, I mean, I, th- I think I think one of the things that's key here is that the problem with the classroom analogy is that NATO is not about a, a, a teacher controlling the students. It's, the students. it's about getting all of the players bound to each other. In, in ways with respect to their security, just like the EU is supposed to do with economics, that shift their own incentive structures to where everyone's like, look, I've got all this to gain by getting along with other members of these institutions and so much to lose by not doing that. Why would I make that irrational decision? Like, no matter what someone says or does to piss me off it's just stupid for me to completely compromise my own security and prosperity to have a pissing contest with someone who I'm bound to in Mm, cooperation on exactly those fronts that's what this web of institutions is for of course with that being the sort of the structure I mean from a realist perspective, you know, those those institutions, the ties that bind, how much do they actually bind? I mean, someone like Mearsheimer or Walt would be like, no, that is, that, like, they'll eventually fall apart because they're only, they only incentive, <laughs> fuck you, uh, they only incentivize, yeah, Ryan, you're, I'm talking to you. Um, <laughs> Ryan's making gestures that listeners cannot see. Lewd and Just to be clear. Also, Lex is dying. <laughs> anyway, no, okay. uh, but but the the issue is when you look Choking at NATO today, whale testicle that was left in your beer, Lex. <laughs> Essence of whale testicle, Rob. God. When you look at NATO today, I think you run into problems where those ties, the the keeping that cohesive. Also, there needed to be something to keep it from sort of fraying. And right now, I mean, Russia is on the ascent, I guess, so we could say that. But you look at countries like Turkey or Hungary, well, I guess Hungary is now NATO, but, um, and a couple others in Europe, and, or even within Europe, between Eastern Europe and in the EU, Eastern Europe and Western Europe in NATO, there's sort of different priorities. Some people want to sort of allow Russia to, you know, expand to their traditional sphere of influence without, you know, invading. Uh, whereas others are looking on like, whoa, whoa. And then others are like Turkey yeah. where they're just like, you know, you could go your own way. Yeah, but I mean, you, there's a... In American discourse, there's a kind of a, a tendency to look at the Western European countries. You know Lex is getting really serious because he used the word discourse. Yeah, that's a big word, guys. <laughs> SAT word. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like, we, we have this tendency to, oh, you know the Spanish and the Portuguese and whoever are polled and that if Estonia is invaded, like a very significant portion would just not want to intervene. And I mean, you know, and this goes back years. I mean, one of the, in, as late as 1939, one of the French anti-war slogans was why die for Danzig? I mean, yeah. so you, you die for Paris. 
Yeah, because it's theirs, and it's. But I mean, it's it it's worth yeah. exploring that, you know. Well, at the same time, you look at World War One and World War Two. U.S. public sentiment was broadly against getting involved in Europe's wars right. in both cases, and realistically, what happened in both cases, it ended up being it. At some level, impossible for us to stay out, especially with World War II, uh, and people it, amongst the general public eventually became invested in both of those fights. Mm-hmm. It, the fact that, I, I mean, in some sense, this is part of why you want institutions that have more sticking power in other ways is because when you've got legal mechanisms and actual cross-training and mutual basing of troops and things like that, those are things that make cooperation and mutual support more concrete than whatever the the whims of public opinion polling happened to be after last Tuesday's news broadcast. And, and I think another, this is kind of a, a dark point, but it's like what they say about, you know, U.S. troops in South Korea. It's like their purpose is to die until, to die slow enough until the rest of the U.S. military can get there. Because, and so when you look at U.S. troops, for instance, as we're building up uh, capabilities, now there's talk which is goes against an agreement with Russia, but Russia's violated a number of agreements anyway, so why not tear up our own agreements with them um, to bail build permanent bases in countries like Poland. Um, And I'm not sure, I don't think they want to build them in the Baltics, but in Poland, maybe Romania and these, these countries in the former Eastern world. We're also seeing a lot of um, interoperability training and stuff with countries who are not in NATO, Sweden, Finland, you know, politically very much aligned with the NATO countries, but um, you know, not within the article five umbrella. They won't join NATO because it's too politically sensitive, but they expect worst case. They're they're anticipating worst case scenario. Russia could go after them. Yeah, and that's why. I mean, Finland or has, go after like the the island, Gotland, the island. Yeah, and, yeah. So yeah. Finland, Finland is actually Finland. I think Sweden both. I, I know Finland for certain has essentially built a tier. Like they know that the country would get taken, but they've already built like. They're starting to build like a, a stay behind, yeah. yeah, a capability to like just kill Russians as they like like in an insurgency. You mean like, like last time? The last time that happened, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, didn't work so yeah. well for the Russians. Yeah. Well, it turns out invading Finland in the winter is even worse than invading. <laughs> <Russia. laughs> it's it's cold in Russia. It'll be fine. Fuck <laughs> these freaky snow people and their cross country skis, man. You never, you never would expect it. Abominable Finland. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's kind of in the Sur- surviving on whale testicle beer. Yeah, probably. With the <laughs> that's how they celebrated their victory, or you know, victory. But you know, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't proud, but I'll, I'm moving past it. But I mean, the biggest issue we're seeing is like Trump saying stupid shit, like, "Well, you know, if my, you know, we don't want to, no, we don't want Montenegro as an example in NATO because if they do, they're they're very aggressive people. They might do something. It's like, well, if they did, it wouldn't really matter because Article Five is like, if you're attacked, not if you attack someone else. That's why when Georgia was just like, well, you fucked up. Well, yeah. well, Trump, Trump sees everything as a balance sheet: wins yeah. and losses. 
you know, zero sum everything, not even looking towards the, you know, the many economic benefits that we achieve from having a peaceful Europe aligned with our interests, markets for our goods, you know, that are consistent and wealthy. So listen, not every NATO capital has a Trump hotel, and that's not good enough for him. Yeah. Well, but it is. That's the worst thing is like we've recently had the, the Brussels like the summit like the every year summit for NATO and then he did that and went to shit on all our allies as per usual. Then he went and held, held out Putin for a couple hours in Helsinki where he capitulated, yeah. surrendered the global world order to. Most likely well, talked about lots of things that, as far as we know, Balski. not even the rest of the administration yeah. knows about. Yeah. Our, our nation's now. chief spy master had no idea what was going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah, that, the, 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 that was that was fascinating. That was, yeah. like, or, like it was on a TV interview when the interviewer asked him about his thoughts on. But that's been happening so on, often. On like like about that Jim Comey only knew he got fired because CNN was on the airport or the the, the place yep. he was speaking at. Like <laughs> he saw it on the. So, the, walking it back a bit. Going back to the Montenegro issue, so the Russians tried to, they sponsored a failed coup, coup attack yeah. right yeah. when Montenegro entered, so I don't know if the Montenegrins are the aggressors here. I think the Russians yeah. oh, You well, don't remember uh, that, but I mean, it happened. Yeah, it happened, because no one talked about it. It yeah. just kind of, they're like, oh, Montenegro joined NATO. And they, by the way, there was a failed coup by Serb uh, Serbs in Montenegro, sponsored by the Russians. Look, <laughs> CNN only has the bandwidth to drool over so many crises and bloodbaths yeah. in the world at a time. Breaking news. Trump says something crazy. I think CNN actually reported it. But it was like, you know, third page. First page six or something. Yeah, it was like... After the Kardashians. Two, two, in, the, two in the morning. Yeah. Two in the morning. I was like, no, oh, by the way, this happened. But it's like, it's... it's so, you, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Did you see the... Uh, this not it doesn't have to do with Russia, but with Turkey. The... They tried to kidnap a teacher in yeah. Mongolia, yep. and they basically had him on the tarmac when the Mongolians shut the airport down, and they they spent NATO you know, several, several hours basically trying to go on go full like CIA extraordinary rendition, yeah, you know, just, just steal this guy out of his country. You know, you know why? Because he was a, because he was affiliated with the group that they blamed for the coup. He didn't have anything to do with it. Supposedly, he wasn't even in Turkey at the time. He's lived in Mongolia for years, but you know. You know what? I bet he's a teacher. If it, if there wasn't the purges after the coup, I bet the original Turkish intelligence agencies probably could have done it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I think MIT is one of the the Turkish intelligence. Yeah. Uh, I think they're one of the few organizations. Them and the Gendarmerie. Well, the Mongolians were probably like, "Do you guys really want to do this again? Last time we had to come to Turkey in that region. Well, well <laughs> I mean, we we stack bodies. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, we're, we're we're pretty chill now. But come I'm gonna on, ride. Don't, do not fuck with us. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna ride my horse cinnamon to your fucking border. <laughs> And burn your capitals to the ground. Bar, 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 bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, skull pyramids, best. Yeah, part. that's uh, oh, and and then you know what else Turkey's done? I mean, well, this, so Turkey's big into hostage diplomacy these days with <laughs> the its NATO allies. So, so Pat, there's a pastor. I think Andrew Brunson, who was, I think yeah. he's a Mennonite. Um, and it's he's evangelical. Okay, so he he was arrested for something to do with the coup. Clearly, he was arrested for political reasons. Turkey has kept him locked up. Finally, they managed to get him at least out of prison and under house arrest. 
Uh, but it's largely believed because there's like the charges are ridiculous. They put the curtains on his cell. The charges, are, the charges are ridiculous. I mean, like, like there's very little. Like, I mean, this is Turkey in a nutshell. It's like there's very little evidence, but you know, he definitely did it. And the Turkish media says he did it, and the Turkish government says he did and it. The judiciary so is, like, and the judiciary says, "Yes, Daddy, he did it." <laughs> but like, they're because they want, they want, they want, <laughs> they want, they want Gulen. But even though they're like, they're like, you're just like, well, you just need if you really want to extract him, get a. You know, put in the paperwork and tell, give us evidence. Like, well, haven't they tried? Or like, uh, no, they're, they're, yeah, we they know it's, made it a we lot know of it's, we know it's politically bullshit. Or it's like we're not allowed to extradite <clears throat> if they're not guaranteed like a yeah. objective trial or something. Some I, I'm not familiar. with. Well, and, there's, and there's a lot of reasons. So, yeah. so that's created a real cafe recently between. <laughs> Bring it back. Between yes. the cafe, great again. Exactly between because uh, it seemed like there was a lot of talk that. You know, this Turkish banker that's in prison in the U.S. for helping, working with the Turkish government, probably connected to the Turkish president, uh, helping was, Iran yeah. uh, run uh, or evade sanctions through a gold for yeah. oil scheme. Um, so he's in jail in the U.S. and they wanted to trade them. Yeah. Now, there's another, I don't know if you guys knew about this, you might know about this. There are two Greek soldiers that somehow like... Like I think they they were on vacation or they strayed into like Turkish waters. They're they've been in prison for like six months to a year right now. Wow! And so it's created a lot of issues between Turkey and Greece. I mean, not, not that there haven't been yeah, not issues in the past. Everything was peachy before. But Turkey is <laughs> essentially been holding these two guys, and I'm pretty sure what they're asking for is eight guys fled on a helicopter. Yes. Uh, after the coup, guys who were involved with it, and obviously they're not going to get a free and fair trial in Turkey. So yeah, they were the few Greek, who got yeah. away. Yeah. So I mean, obviously they're we should go. <laughs> yeah. So they're in Greece, and Turkey or Greece offered them asylum, and so Turkey was like, "Oh, well, there are these two Greek guys. Look, well, two Greek soldiers. Looks like we arrested them. Oh, NATO ally, should we give them back? No, because you took our soldiers who were wanted for this. So well, if, if all that stuff, like, we're we're gonna get to the end, but. Uh, thoughts on you know what if we want to get rid of NATO or not sorry we want to get rid of, get, get rid of kick Turkey out of NATO there's been like there's been talks mm-hmm. there's been they saying like maybe we should is there a mechanism I, for kicking there, there no. is not yeah. at all so there's like well we we never thought of this well there was there there was a that's it's like with Brexit you know like there was like a minimal mechanism there at least there was some mechanism well there, there is but it was yeah. yeah but it was like oh this will never happen so we don't know exactly what will actually happen I mean frankly I I think a deliberate Turkish withdrawal from NATO is more likely than a move to try and find some way to expel well, I don't think right. Turkey will, though, because Turkey wants its cake, wants to have its cake and eat it, too, so they're like, we're going to be best friends with the Russians, but we're still going to keep on with NATO, if for no other reason yeah. than to give well, the yeah, Russians a good card last, to not invade them. Last December, they bought how much of the, the anti-air missile systems from oh, Russia? the S-400s? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And that's creating an issue with the F-35s, because... Yeah. <laughs> If that data somehow, you know, is transferred back to Russia, Oops. then now they know, like, more about shoot down the F-35. Shitty, shitty aircraft. You don't, you know, you don't, all you do is you fucking don't have a Windows update. Fucking yeah. Would you air. like to update now? <laughs> oh, <Later>. God! <laughs> Tomorrow, later. I'm, I'm, I'm literally envisioning the old uh, Microsoft the Word paperclip guy <laughs> popping up on the heads-up display blocking <laughs> someone's vision in the middle of it. <laughs> it seems to me... It seems your uh, your chaff is out of date. Would you like to upgrade? <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
I fired yeah. a small burst. Now I'm out of ammo for my, my gun. Great. At least we're going to... Yeah. Well, well, at, least right. at least we legitimately consider handing American officials over to Russians, to Russian security forces in order to interrogate, a.k.a. Bill, Bill Browder. And, uh, <laughs> well, so Bill Browder's done, but he's a British citizen, but... Well, he's... he's he was an American. He gave up his... He gave system. it up? Okay. But, yeah, so there's... That was that was the Helsinki summit and the Kupfefe dumpster fire that... that into. And then talking about former Russian... Or, uh, ambassador to, the, to Russia from the U.S., Michael Falk. Fall. Fall. Michael Falk. Michael Falk. Michael Falk. You know, that Putin said, oh, well, like, maybe we could interview, like... Agents conducting you know the investigation into this and it's such a, and it's this a beautiful guy, offer. Yeah. It's a beautiful offer. And of course, Trump fell hook, line, and sinker because he's an idiot. Well, because he doesn't understand that anything what that means. It's not like oh they're gonna help us out. It's we're gonna fucking <laughs> interrogate so, your so people. Next, next time, and, yeah. Next time, maybe next time NATO has like a uh, a summit. They need to do what the EU did. Just gotta have like color cards to describe everything to Trump, but why it's good and why it's bad. Have jingle keys every once in a while to kind of keep them. That point. was the funniest thing I've read in a long time. It's like, like it's like and it was. It <laughs> is I'm not an funny. European official. They're, we we understand this is not academic. This is not an academic setting. <laughs> Some of the audience may not be familiar with the context, and yeah. I feel like this one deserves, really deserves. This the is how markets work. Yeah. If no one else wants to jump God, in, basically please, please. the short version is that uh, there was a recent US-EU meeting about trade, given the delightful blossoming trade war, and it was kind of leaked that in order to explain how trade and trade agreements work, uh, they used bright colored flashcards in the meeting with yeah, the president of the United yeah, well, States. He likes bullet points and he likes pictures and graphs. And Shiny. Stuff, so. Yeah, reading is a little. That's that's a lot to ask, you know. Yeah, I mean, reading any of his tweets, you know that he actually, it's like a, he's like a barely functioning, he's like a functioning illiterate. <laughs> yeah, so nothing matters. Uh, great <laughs> Yeah, totally. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> that was almost diplomatic. Thanks, guys. Fuck everything. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs>